You're listening to the St. John's Dumming Creek podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Hi, I'm Scott, and today's Bible passage comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 15. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, See that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you might, through his poverty, become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you were hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Comparing yourself to other people is a pretty dangerous thing to do. If you do that comparison and you think, yeah, I'm, I'm doing better than the other person, well, that can lead to pride and putting other people down. But if you do the comparison and you think, oh, gosh, they're doing way better than I am, well, that can lead to despair. I'll never be as good as they are. Or it can lead to, to envy, envying other people's gifts or how they're going. But at the same time, sometimes comparison is helpful because sometimes when we look at other people, we get inspired to try to be better when we look at the example that they put before us. Uh, I've got a group of ministers that I go away with each year. Well, we didn't go away this year for obvious reasons, but we normally do. 
And when we go away and we share with each other, I hear the sorts of things that they're doing in their churches, the ideas they've got to reach out to other people with the good news of Jesus. I go, yeah, maybe we could try that. And when I hear about uh, the struggles that they're having in their family life, but the way they're committed to seeking to love their families, I usually get inspired to say, yes, I need to keep being uh, a good husband and a good father and uh, keep loving in my own family as well. When they speak about the way that they're working to nurture their own faith in Jesus, it's inspiring for me to, to keep persevering and keep growing in my relationship with Jesus as well. And maybe you've got some people in your life that you, you look at and they're an inspiration as you look at their lives. Maybe it's one of your youth leaders or your life group leader. Maybe it's an older Christian person that you look up to and think, yes, I would love to shape my life uh, the way that they shape their life. Um, whoever it is, sometimes comparison is helpful and we can be inspired by others uh, to seek to grow in particular areas of our life. Well, in our Bible passage today uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul plays the dangerous game of comparison. But he does it because he's wanting to inspire those who are reading what he's got to say. And particularly, he wants to inspire them to grow in generosity, uh, to become more and more generous. Now, as Andy mentioned, generosity is a, a big concept. Uh, we want to be generous with our time and how we use it. We want to be generous with the material things that we've been given. We want to be uh, generous in what we give to other people. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, uh, the focus here is, is particularly on generosity with material things, generosity uh, with money. Earlier this year, we worked through uh, 2 Corinthians 1 to 7. We've, we've done the first part of this letter that Paul's written to this church at Corinth. Uh, we've spoken about the God of all comfort and the way in which he teaches in those chapters. And over the next three weeks, we're going to unpack chapters 8 and 9, which focus on generosity. And I hope that we're inspired a bit in terms of our own practice of generosity and how we give to others. To help we have a little bit of background uh, to understand what's going on as Paul writes this letter, uh, Paul's in the process of taking a collection, a financial collection, a collection of money um, from different churches, Gentile churches, non-Jewish churches, to take back to poor and struggling Christians in Jerusalem. So he, he's established this practice. It's referred to in a number of places in the Bible, not just here in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Uh, and in fact, we see in the first letter that Paul writes to the Corinthians that he's already established this practice. He's encouraged the Corinthians on the first day of the week, each Sunday, to set aside money for this collection. And then it'll be gathered up and, and taken back with the contributions from other churches as well, back to support uh, ministry and also uh, the struggling Christians in Jerusalem. Uh, the Corinthians started off going pretty well with this, it seems, but they've lost their mojo. <laughs> they've started to ease off. They've stopped their giving. And so a lot of what Paul is writing here is an encouragement for them to keep on going. 
And in order to do that, Paul does this comparison. He speaks in our verses today about the Macedonian churches, and he speaks about the church at Corinth. And he compares and speaks about what their circumstances are, their situation, their material circumstances. Then he describes how they're going in terms of their generosity in giving. But he also talks about motivation, what their motivation is for giving, what drives their generosity. And I hope as we look at this comparison between these churches that it will help us as well to think, how do we fit in those three things? What's our circumstance? How generous are we? And have we got our motivation right as we think about being generous people and giving? So Paul starts by speaking about the Macedonian churches. That's a, that's a region, and it includes the church at Philippi and the church at Thessalonica. We've got letters to both of those churches in the New Testament. Uh, and also the church at Berea was another church that is referred to in the Bible uh, in that region as well. What's their situation? Well, it's clear that they're doing it tough. Uh, in verse 2, we read that in the midst of a very severe trial, um, and he also talks about extreme poverty. Most likely those two things go together, that the severe trial that's being spoken about is, is a form of persecution, that they're being persecuted for their Christian faith. And as a result, they are poor. They've been socially ostracised. People won't do business with them. People won't relate to them. And so they are really doing it tough. Um, the Macedonians are basically in the same situation as the Jewish Christians for whom the money is being collected. Again, there was a lot of persecution going on for the Jerusalem Christians, and they were extremely poor. And because of the circumstances of the Macedonian churches, that they're struggling and poor, Paul doesn't expect that they will be able to contribute anything uh, to this collection. But it doesn't stop them. Again, in verse 2, we see that despite their severe trials, they have abundant joy. And despite their extreme poverty, they overflow in a wealth of generosity. Here's a church doing it tough, not expected by Paul to give anything. And yet we actually read that they, they beg Paul, please, can we contribute? Please, can we give money to support our brothers and sisters and to support the work of the gospel? Um, it's incredible. Uh, I wish there was more of it in churches where people were just so keen to give that they, they, they beg to do so. Now, I must admit, I have seen something like this in our own church back in 2015, uh, when we had a, a bit of a financial crisis, we had one of the telco contracts that we'd been relying on come to an end all of a sudden, um, outside our control. And so we had a sudden shortfall in finances. And there were late night meetings with the treasurer and the wardens and me. It was very stressful. And we went to the congregation and we described the situation and the need and we asked people to give. And I remember having a conversation with a particular individual who really did not have much money. Um, they didn't have a lot. They were already pretty generous. And like Paul, here was a situation where I was thinking, well, I don't expect this person to give. They, they shouldn't give. It's, it's others who have more who will maybe carry the weight of this. And yet this person went away 
prayerfully considered, uh, convicted out of their love for God and their desire to be giving generously to the church and set aside extra money to give. It was costly, it was sacrificial, but it was generously coming out of not much but wanting to give. Um, And it was that sort of attitude reflected through the whole church that meant that we actually covered that shortfall and more at the time as people gave very generously. So these poor Macedonians are extremely joyful and generous in the midst of their situation. And so we might ask, you know, what's their secret? What's the the thing that's motivating them to give? Uh, And the answer we have here is that they have experienced God's grace in their lives. That that word grace or gift is is a key word in this passage. It comes up again and again. Um, and, And grace really is is a gift. It's uh, something that's not deserved, but is just uh, given generously to other people. Uh, We're told in verse 1 that it is the grace of God that has been granted to the Macedonians. And when we think of God's grace, as we think of God's gift to us, the thing primarily that the Bible speaks about is the gracious gift that God gives us of his son, Jesus Christ. That Jesus, who is God himself willingly comes and lives amongst us, uh, that he gives his life on the cross in our place so that our sins are forgiven. And clearly the Macedonian Christians have understood this. In verse 5 we read that they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. Uh, They've committed their whole lives and everything that they have uh, to God and to his gospel messages, Paul and his friends. Um, They've basically said everything that we have belongs to God. Our time, um, our resources, our money, whatever it is that we have, we want to give that in service of God. They've experienced God's gifts to them, God's grace to them, And so that even though they're doing it tough, they still have this joy that God has been good and gracious to them and they want to give generously to others. So they're not motivated by guilt. They're not motivated by obligation. They're motivated by the grace of God which has been shown to them. They rejoice in it and they want that to overflow out of their lives so that they can give graciously and generously to others. So that's the the Macedonians who Paul is holding up as an example to the Corinthians who he's writing to. So what about the Corinthians? What's their situation? Well, down in verse 14 of our our passage, he uses the word plenty. (laughs) They've got plenty. Other versions of the Bible speak about their abundance. Um, They're wealthy on the whole and The city of Corinth was well known in the ancient world for how wealthy it was. It seems like members of the church were pretty well off as well. Although we do know from the the letters that Paul writes to the church at Corinth that it was a mixture. There were uh, poor slaves within the church, but clearly there were some very wealthy people. And on the whole, the church uh, was pretty well off and had lots of money. 
So they're a contrast to the Macedonians. The Macedonians struggling and poor. The the Corinthians uh, uh, have plenty of cash. And they're wealthy in more ways than one. It's not just that they've got uh, finances, but they're clearly a very gifted and well-equipped church as well. In verse 7, Paul says that they excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness and love. So you've got this church here which has fantastic teachers and leaders. Uh, They've got a good understanding of God and his ways. Uh, We know that they're seeing miraculous stuff happening in their midst, some supernatural stuff's going on in their midst. It's it's an active happening church, a, a mega church of the ancient world, which was probably the envy of other churches around them, smaller and not as well resourced churches. So that's their situation. All right, does it lead to generosity? Well, sadly, we see here that their practice of giving is not crash hot. They started well. They started setting aside money for this collection that Paul was taking, but they've gone by the wayside. In verse 6, Paul says uh, he's, he's sending Titus to try and rev them up a bit, get them to complete the job that they've started. And in verse 11, he basically says to them, finish the job. Don't just start well, but keep going with it. Despite their wealth and their giftedness, they're actually being shown up by their poorer brothers and sisters in Macedonia. And so it's a rev up from Paul. Finish the job. Use what you've got and be generous and give. Uh, Some years ago, a mate of mine was attending uh, a church in Sydney. It was a a church in a well-known wealthy suburb of Sydney. I won't name it, but it was one of those suburbs that you just knew was a leafy and well-off suburb. And the church was, you know, a happening church. It was a large church with a large and gifted staff team. People would sort of see that church as a bit of a flagship church. Um, Youth and children's ministry, everything was happening. And this friend of mine went with some others from the church on a mission trip to Africa And they attended a church in Nairobi in Kenya. Nairobi is a well-known city for its poverty, its slums. And they attended this quite poor church uh, in Nairobi. And they were shocked to discover that when you compared this church in Nairobi to their church back in wealthy Sydney, the amount of money given per person was higher in the church in Nairobi than it was in their church in Sydney. It was shocking and confronting for them to see these poor African brothers and sisters being way more generous than the wealthy Australians. It was a bit of a modern-day example of the comparison between Macedonia and Corinth. And so Paul's advice in verse 7 to the Corinthians is powerful. But since you excel in everything... See also that you excel in the grace of giving. It's a challenge to say, could you do better? Could you grow in this area? As we're always trying to grow in areas of our lives following Christ, could you be more generous? Is there a growth there? Well, what's the motivation for this? Again, it's looking, I love the the, the graphic we've got behind us, the, the backdrop that Lenny's produced, because you can see that heart in the hand. It's not just what is given, but what is the motivation for giving. 
And Paul is extremely careful here that the, the Corinthians don't get the wrong idea and that they're not motivated in the wrong way. He wants them to give generously, but he wants it to come from the right motivation, the right place. That's even more important, the motivation behind it, than what he's actually given. And verses 8 and 9 are really key here. This is what Paul says. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Paul doesn't command them to give. He doesn't want them to feel compelled, to feel guilty, to feel obligated. He wants this to come from a heart of love and he wants it to come from a love for Jesus and what they have received from Jesus. And so he points to the example of Jesus. Jesus, who was rich, he had all of the riches of heaven and yet he chose to become poor, giving that up, coming to earth as a human being, being born in a manger, as we'll celebrate at Christmas, and even giving his life up to death on a cross, dying in utter humiliation and poverty, so that he might bless us and allow us to become rich, to give us forgiveness, to give us the full grace, the gift of the Spirit, uh, and a life of hope and eternal life. And Paul holds this example up before the Corinthians, that Jesus gave up all his wealth and became poor, that they might become rich. How does that motivate them, given their followers of Jesus, in terms of their own generosity? We serve a generous God. Uh, we serve a Lord who has given up everything for us. Uh, the very basis of our relationship with God comes through God's grace, God's gift to us. The fact that he has blessed us richly so that we can be in relationship with him. The Macedonians have understood it and that's motivated them to be generous. Paul's saying, what about you Corinthians? Have you got that right as well? Let's test how genuine your love is, whether that love flows from your heart and flows out in you being generous. Well, what about us? What are we like as a church in terms of our generosity? All right, well, let's think about our situation, how we're going with it and whether we've got our motivation right. I think in terms of our material circumstances on the whole, we're much more like the Corinthians than the Macedonians. Uh, you may have heard this illustration before. You may have heard it from me before. But if you think about every single person in the world being put into a 10-carriage train where the carriages are arranged by wealth, so the wealthiest in the front carriage all the way through to the poorest in the world going in carriage number 10 at the back, where would your average Australian be? Well, your average Australian would be well and truly 
up in that front car because relative to the rest of the world, we live in a very wealthy and well-off country. What about if we sharpen the illustration and say, well, Paul's writing here to churches. This is about churches. So what about if we put our church on a train compared to all of the other churches in the world and what have they got? Where would we be on that train? Uh, And the answer is we would be so far up the front of the train that the driver would smell the garlic on our breath from the garlic bread that we had last night. I mean, even compared to other churches, even in our area, we're well-equipped, we're well-off, we have lots of great leaders and uh, volunteers, lots of great programs and activities happening. We are, we are very blessed. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a wonderful gift from God. It's something we should rejoice in and be glad about. But it also should challenge us in whether we're being generous with the good things that God has given us. Now, break it down. Within the church, of course, there's a variety of different circumstances. And 2020 has really made it tough for some people. Uh, Many of you within our church have lost your jobs or your hours have been cut back, and it has been really tough financially. So there are people who this year has been a particular struggle, and it's been a financial struggle, and we need to acknowledge that. But for other people, um, you've been able to keep working, uh, and because you haven't been able to go as far afield, uh, maybe you haven't spent as much money and you've, you've got more at hand and you're in a position to be even more generous at the moment. We've got a, a range of circumstances in our church. And one of the things that, that Paul says here is that there needs to be equality, that those who have more need to be more generous and willing to give so that they carry it for those who are less well-off and struggling and, and really don't have as much to give. That's one of the challenges that Paul gives us. And so the challenge for each one of us is what does our generous generosity look like in the individual circumstances that lie before us? It's no one else's business what our material circumstances are, but we know it and God knows it. And so it's about being honest with God about what we have and whether our generosity in giving matches what we have. Lots of people feel a bit awkward and embarrassed about talking about money, but the Bible is never embarrassed about talking about Jesus talks about you know, money and generosity all the time, and it's strewn through the pages. And so the challenge for us today is to say, are we more like the Corinthians who have plenty but have lost their mojo and maybe haven't been committed uh, as committed to generosity and growing in generosity as they could be? Or are we like the, the Macedonians who give according to their means and even beyond their means because they're so driven by the grace that God has given them in Jesus Christ? It's a challenge, I think, to us as a church as a whole as well, Uh, Are we being generous in what we have and sharing it with other people? Now, again, generosity covers a range of things. It's not just about finances. It's about uh, sharing, um, being open to share ideas and programs and time with other churches who need it and might not be as well resourced. Uh, But it does include money. 
Um, as Andy said earlier, 15% of all of the offertory that comes in, uh, we give to mission partners. And that's a key commitment for us as a church to make sure we're being generous to others. And it's a large amount. Um, it's a big amount for churches. I don't, I don't know any church that gives more than that, though there are others that give as much as that. But we shouldn't be just resting on our laurels and, and be proud that aren't we great doing that, but actually make sure that we're continued to be commitment to that, that it's not just the giving of the money, but genuine partnership with these organisations that we're partnering with and making sure that we do continue to be generous in what we give to others because we're blessed and we have so much that we're able to give and we shouldn't be just keeping it for ourselves but giving it to others. And the last thing, of course, to keep front and centre for us, the, the challenge for us as individuals and as a church is have we got the motivation right? Have we got our eyes fixed on Jesus, seeing what he has done for us, um, captured by the grace that God has given us in Jesus, and that drives us to be generous and to keep growing in our generosity. Uh, the danger any time you talk about money in a church is that people feel guilty, and guilt is the wrong motivation. It's to be reminded of the gospel, of the blessings that we have in Jesus, that out of his riches, he became poor in order to bless us and make us rich spiritually with every single gift that we could have in him that should drive us and want us to be motivated to give to others. Uh, there's a great story about the missionary to China, J. Hudson Taylor, famous sort of mission leader to China. And when he would give a talk about the work that he was doing in China, uh, people would often come up to him afterwards and try and put money in his hand for the work in China. And he would refuse to take it. He'd say, put that back in your pocket, but go away and reflect on what Jesus has done for you. Reflect on the needs in China and then think about what your response should be and how you should give to the work that is going on in China. And often, the money that people originally were going to give was much less than what they ended up giving. When they went away, prayed about it, reflected on it, thought about it in light of the gospel, they were more challenged and convicted in terms of what they should give. And I think that's helpful advice for us too, to not just be reactive when we hear a passage like this, but not just to go away and ignore it either, to prayerfully come before God to look at the circumstances we find ourselves in at the moment, to look at how we're going uh, with our giving, with our generosity, and to bring that before God and ask for God to show us what it is that we should be giving. Do we need to increase it? Are we doing okay? Are we being generous with what we have? to be deliberate and to be prayerful about us as we seek to be generous people responding to the generosity that God has given us in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek. 